Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you because you love us and you have a purpose for our lives. Lord, we are here. Speak to us. Change us. Transform us. Speak to our heart, O oh Jesus. And I believe we are not going to leave this place the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. Called to become. There is, there is a difference between aging and maturing. Growing old and growing up. We naturally grow old. Even if you are sitting here, I remember the days I was sitting with the youth. Long time ago, I used to sit in the youth group. Today I sit with the mature, mature people, young heart. We grow old every second, every day, but we don't mature every day. Maturity is a decision. It's a response to life. The way we respond to life helps us mature. So to, to, today we are going to talk about spiritual maturity. We are called to become mature. Not just to grow old. Not the, the, the number of years you've spent in the church but the maturity in your relationship with God. In Africa, we normally respect old people. We respect age in Africa. And in most cultures, old people are considered wise, most African cultures. So there is an expectation that old people should behave in a particular way, should speak in a particular way. Age comes with you know, wisdom, and there is a way you talk. So if, if an old person swears in Africa, it's a taboo in the community. It's a taboo for an old person to swear in, in, in Africa. Because we expect old people to set an example for young people. So there are things they can't say. There are things they can't do. Because they are expected to be mature and to act as mature people. There is a language in Tanzania, the way you greet old people is different from the way you greet your mate. In Tanzania, you say shikamo to old people, which means I'm under your feet. If someone is older than you, you greet, you don't say hello. You don't say good morning. You say shikamo. I'm under your feet. And it's known everywhere that old people deserve our respect. But when an old person does not, does not respond, does not act or behave with maturity, it breaks the community. It's, it's a shame. It's a taboo in the community. So I've lived long enough to conclude that some people age without maturing. I've seen them, even in Africa. I've seen old people swear a lot here in Australia. 
No, everywhere. <laughs> not every old person is wise. Not every person is mature. We know that. We know that. We know that some people grow old without growing up. We know that. So the problem with human beings is that we are always growing. That's the problem. We are always growing something. We are growing old. We are growing up. We are growing tall. We are growing weary. We are growing big. We are growing every day. And if you don't pay attention, you will grow something you don't like. Because you are always growing something. If you don't pay attention, you will grow something you did not expect. So you need to pay attention to the things happening in your life so that you can grow mature instead of growing something else. In other words, we are always becoming something in life. We are always becoming. If you do nothing, you become lazy. Or you become broke. If you do something, you become someone. If you do the right thing, you become the right person you were created to be. Let me say this again. If you do nothing, you become no one. If you do something, you become someone. If you do the right thing, you become the right person. The right person you were created to be. So remember, you are always becoming something. Always. So what is the right thing we are supposed to do to become the right person we were created to be? How does the person you were meant to be look like? What is the best version of you? What, 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 what is the best, the, the, the supreme example of you? How does that person act? talk, interact with other people? How does the ultimate version of me look like? When God created humans, he made Adam as the first template, the first example. Unfortunately, Adam failed. Then God sent Jesus as our supreme example. Jesus is the supreme version of humans. We are all called to become like Jesus. Is our original template. Jesus. The ultimate version of me looks like Jesus. The ultimate version of you. The best you looks like Jesus. The best version of you speaks like Jesus. Interacts with people like Jesus. Behaves like Jesus. That's the best version of you. So you are called to become the best version of you. You, be, you are called to become like Jesus. So let's write down. My third life calling is to become like Christ. If you can write that on our papers. My third life calling is to become like Christ. Romans 8, 28, 29. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son 
so that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. God created us to be loved. That's the first, the, first, uh, the, the first topic we discussed. Our calling is to maintain a vertical relationship with God. God created us to belong. That was the second week, the, the, the third week, second topic. Our calling is to maintain a horizontal relationship with others. And today we're going to talk about we were created, God created us to become like Christ. Our calling is to become like Jesus. As a young boy, I, also, I always dreamt, I always wanted to become the president of Congo. Today I cannot because I've become the citizen of Australia. They don't allow dual citizenship in Congo. So I've missed that opportunity. It was a dream, not a call for me. There is a difference between your dream, your passion, and your calling. Your calling is something different. The world uses this, this word differently. They, they, they mix them. Your passion, your dreams, your goal is something else. Let me just illustrate this for you. Your purpose is in the creator's mind. It's only the creator who knows why he created you. Your calling is the response to the purpose. Once you discover that you have a creator, you begin to follow him, that's your calling. Your response to the purpose is your calling. That's a topic for another time. Today, my calling is to become more like Christ. So how is Christ like? Because I can't become the president of Congo anymore. I need to chase becoming like Christ. At least that one is still available. We are called to become like Christ. How does Christ look like? How does he behave? So that we can become... I, I'm not going to read the whole Bible for you so that you can understand how Christ look like. Looks like, let's just read Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there is no law. This is how Christ looks like. Jesus is full of love, full of joy, always at peace, full of patience, full of kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. The more you grow in this character strength, the more you become like Christ. The more you grow in this threat, character threat, the more you become like Jesus. So here is what I can do to become like Christ. I will go through the points on our paper. The first one, let us simplify our lives. To become like Christ, the first thing to do is to simplify my life. Hebrew 12.1, let us strip off anything that slows us down and holds us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves too so tightly around our feet and trip us up, and let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. If you're going to become the person God wants you to be, the first thing you've got to do is to let go of some stuff in your life. You've got to clean out your mind. You've got to clean out your schedule. You've got to clean up your relationships. You've got to 
get rid of all unnecessary baggage. Most people want to clean up their lives. Most people want to stop watching bad things. Most people want to stop doing bad things. Want to stop talking anyhow. But the challenge is they are not willing to. Wanting is a desire. Willingness is a decision. You can want to stop for 100 years. If you are not willing, it will never happen. If I tell you, just cut internet, stop using a phone with internet, that will fix your problem. If you are willing to do it, you will stop it. We don't want to pay the price to leave the things we desire. We're just giving excuses. I can't stop doing it. I just can't stop doing it. No, just stop going there. It's simple. Stop going there. You, every time you go there, you do it. So just stop going there. It's simple. Be willing to stop. Don't just wish. You can stop. So today I want to remind you, simplifying your life means be willing to get rid of those things that stop you from becoming like Christ. Don't just keep wishing to stop. Do something about it. Find help. To speak, speak to someone. Do something about it. Two. Don't get impatient or in a hurry. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. Let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. Run with patience. The issue, of life, the issue of life is that sometimes we feel like we are not making any progress. You feel like you pray, you don't see any change, you keep trying, you don't see any results. You, you, you would love to see something happening, but you don't see it, so you get discouraged. You're working on your character, but you, it doesn't work. You, you think it's not happening, but let me tell you something. Something is happening in the background. Let me give you an example. I brought this simply to illustrate that to you. We all come to Christ. We all come to Christ with sin and issues. And our hearts look really dirty. We come to Christ messed up. And this is how our hearts look like. As dirty as this glass. Can you see here? This is how we come to Christ. All of us, including me. And then God says, every time you come to church, you hear his word, you pray, you open your heart, you read the Bible. Every time there is a drop of his word going in your heart. Slowly, slowly, slowly. Maybe there, that's where you are. You think nothing is happening. You may think your life is not changing. You've been praying for a long time. But I'm telling you, it's not as it used to be. Something has happened. And you keep seeking God, you keep praying, you keep coming to church one drop at a time, one drop at a time, one message at a time from Pastor Darren, from Pastor Brown, from our leaders. You keep hearing the word of God, you go to your connect group, 
And then people begin to realize that something is happening in your life. You are not as you used to be. And then you keep hearing the word of God. And one day before you know it, people don't recognize again the difference between you and Jesus. This is our target. We want to get here where our life is pure. But it takes one step at a time. Be patient with God. Be patient with yourself. Keep making one step at a time. You are not where you used to be. That's what matters. Even if you are, you are not yet where you want to be, you are not where you used to be. Be patient with God. Don't hurry. Take one step at a time. Come to church. Go to Connect Group. Be patient with yourself. It will happen one day. Three, spend time focusing on Jesus every day. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. Hebrew 12, 2. 2 Corinthians 3, 13, 18. All of us have had the veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him and reflect His glory even more. Why do I need to spend more time focusing on Jesus? Because what we focus on, we become like. I, I, I love that. I love to hear that. We become like the thing, the thing we think about. The more you spend time, the more you get to know Jesus, the more you become like him. Let, 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 me, give you, let me give you $50. David, do you have change? Ah, no, no, no. I need someone with change. Who can give me maybe 20 And I will give you 50 No, no, no. I want 20 I'll give you 50 Why are you hesitating to take these 50 bucks? Exactly. Because you know it's fake. How do you know it's fake? Exactly. You know it's one side. You know it's so big. Exactly. The size is wrong. Why do we know that this is fake? Because we are used to it. We are familiar with it. We can recognize the fake if we know the original. That's the only way you can know the fake. If you know the original. Jesus wants us to get familiar with him. Get familiar with his voice. Know his love. Know his peace. You cannot recognize how fake the love of the world is until you know the true love in Jesus. I'm telling you, there is such love in Christ that when you go out there, you see everything fake. There is such peace in Christ that when you go out there, everything becomes fake. It's not peace. The one that drugs can give you is not peace. The one that cigarettes and alcohol can give you, it's not peace. Once you experience the peace in Christ, I'm telling you there is no such a thing that you can compare to it. Spend time with Jesus. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Get to know him. He is in the Bible. If you, the more you read it, the more you get familiar with his voice, you will begin to recognize the voice of the enemy and the voice of the accusers in your life. You will begin to know this is not God speaking. 
Why? Because you know the original. The peace that Jesus gives us cannot be compared to any other peace out there. But it's only when we spend time with Jesus, we get familiar that we can know the original. We can identify the fake. Four, when life gets hard, remember the reward. Hebrew 12, 2 to 3, you can read that for yourself. But I will talk about the reward. Only three things I will mention in the reward. Spiritual maturity equips you to overcome temptation. Just like Jesus. He was tempted. And the, 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 the enemy, the, the, Satan told him, if you do this, I will give you this. We hear that word every day. That statement comes to us every day in our lives. If you compromise here, you will get this. If you just lie to your boss, you will get this. If you just lie to your wife or your husband, or, there, is, there are opportunities to deceive every day. The enemy wants to tempt us every day, and he does it. As we grow, as we mature, we will know, we will learn to say no to the enemy. It's for our own good when we mature. The second benefit, spiritual maturity equips us to endure trials. And trials will come when life gets hard. Mature believers fix their eyes to Jesus. Immature believers quit. When we mature in our faith, we stand against, even in the midst of trial and hardship, we know Jesus is in control. Even when everything says coronavirus is coming, you set your eyes to Jesus. Don't finish all toilet papers. <laughs> Not out of fear. You can buy them too, you know. <laughs> Not out of fear. Maturity helps you to stand strong in faith. And the last one, spiritual maturity equips you to be used by God. Look, God is looking for people he can trust with special missions. Let me give you an example. We don't just collect people on the streets as a nation and send them to Afghanistan and send them to missions to fight for us. As a nation, we send people we call the army. We train them. We spend money and time before we send them to fight for us. Why? We can't just send anyone. God wants to send people he can trust. God is, our, our neighborhood is broken. And God would love to send you and I to go and heal your neighbor, to heal the person at your workplace. But he knows. If he send you in that, in that pub, you will come out drunk. He knows that. He knows there are places he can't send you because you will compromise. You and I. So God wants us to mature so that he can trust us with missions in the world. Can we pay the price, follow Jesus, and mature so that we can be an impact to our neighborhood? Five, gather a team to run with me. There is an old proverb in Africa that says, to run fast, run by yourself. To run far, run with other people. Please find people you can trust in your life who can help, 
who can stand with you and run with you in this race of faith. We have connect groups, we have church, we have leaders that you can trust and, and, and involve them in your life. Six, remember God is cheering at me every, every stage, at every stage. God is cheering every step you make. As I said before, every drop that comes in you, every word of God you hear, God says, well done, my son. Every time you come to church, every time you listen to his word, you read the Bible, God says, well done, my daughter. You've done well. God is not waiting until you become perfect to celebrate you. He knows your weaknesses, but he wants you to make one step at a time. He wants you to keep trying. One day, someone told me, God is not after you with a knife or with a machete to punish every action you make. No. God is with you celebrating every effort in your life. Every effort, every time you try, God says, thank you. Seven, take every step with purpose. Take every step with purpose. And athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I'm not like a boxer who misses his punches. This is Paul speaking in 1 Corinthians 9, 25 to 26. Live life with purpose. Follow a plan. Follow a plan. If you are going to become the person you want, you, God wants you to become, you need to live life with a purpose. You are not going to do everything everybody else does. You are not going to go everywhere that everybody else goes. You are not going to say things everybody else say or watch things that everybody watches. Why? You are living a life with purpose. You can't follow their plan and, and, and your plan and God's plan at the same time. It has to be God's plan or any other plan. Do everything with purpose. Don't just allow people to influence you in the things you do. Eight, realize what I don't finish, God's will. I love this. I love this. Philippians 1.6. I'm sure that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus comes back again. God has started a work in you. Will you let him, let him, allow him do the job he has started in you? God suggests things to you. He's working in your heart. He speaks to you. Would you allow him to continue the work he has started in you? Would you say yes to him? When he's, he's, he, he, he whispers to you, he whispers to your ears, don't go there. Would you allow him and say no? When he whispers to you, come to church, will you, would you allow him and say yes? God has started his work. This, this, this is something I want you to be sure that it's not all about what you do. God is at work in you. It's not about the strength because I, I'm not here to teach 
to teach religion. If you do this and this and this, this God will be pleased. I'm here to speak grace. There is power in you that is at work. You just need to say yes to it. Just to say yes. It's not about your effort. God is working in you to make you become like Christ. Will you allow him to do it? I'm going to pray. Let's bow our head and think about our journey where we are in our faith. If you are here this morning and you really you really need to make some decisions not just a wish but to be willing to make some changes I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you. Let's close our eyes and pray this prayer in our heart. Dear God, for the first time today, I've realized that you believe in me. I want to take every step with purpose. I don't want to waste one day of the rest of my life. I've done too much of that. I want to accept the third purpose of my life, my calling to become like Christ. And I'm willing to take these steps. I want to strip off the stuff that doesn't matter in my life. The stuff that slows me down, holds me back, especially the sins that trip me up. I want to simplify my life and focus on the particular race that you have given to me. I'm so grateful that you are patient with me. Help me not to lose patience. I want to spend time with you so I can become like you. I want to find a special place and spend a few minutes every day focusing on Jesus so that I can be a mirror that reflects your love to others. And Lord, when it gets hard, when I'm winded and I feel like giving up, help me to remember the reward. Help me to remember Jesus, all that you went through, and you never gave up. Thank you. Make me strong. Give me the support. Keep me from falling as you promised. Help me to find a team to run with me at this next stage of my life. Most of all, dear Jesus, I thank you that what I don't finish, you will. And one day, all of those things that I dislike about myself are going to be removed from my life. Thank you. Thank you that I don't have to stay the same. Thank you that you give me the power to change. Jesus Christ, I give you as much as I now know every part of my life. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.